Girlfriends, episode number 125. Fight fair in your marriage. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about how to handle conflicts and disagreements in your marriage with maturity and grace. Oh my gosh, I need this one. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Welcome to another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm so happy that you're joining me here today. I love to connect with you every week in this way through the podcast. So thanks for being here. This is my first time recording in a little bit because I recorded the last few episodes ahead of time because Dan and I went on a little trip. We went away. We went to Las Vegas, which kind of sounded like a crazy idea when Dan proposed it at um, kind of the last minute. And I've never been to Las Vegas. Neither of us has been. And he just wanted us to go and explore a new place and um, do some things, go to some shows. And we did that. And wow, that place. Uh, <laughs> crazy. And, you know, part of me thought leaving that um, maybe there were going to be some some yucky things we were going to see in Las Vegas, some even just some advertisements for places or things going on that I don't want to see or know about. But you, do you know, that did not happen. Truly, I mean, I know there's seedy stuff in Las Vegas. I mean, there's seedy stuff in every city, but I thought especially Las Vegas. And I didn't see anything like that. I mean, I saw a lot of over-the-top glitz and glamour and crazy, you know, just get attention type stuff. But uh, it wasn't gross in any way, shape, or form. I really enjoyed the trip. It was a lot of fun. Dan loved it more than I did. And he was like, oh, we totally have to come back here. And I was kind of like, yeah, I've seen the city. I'm all set. Um, even though it was a totally fun trip, I enjoyed it. And here's something funny. We didn't gamble, not even $1 because <laughs> neither of us finds that enjoyable. So why would we do that? Uh, we for sure walked through casinos and all the different places, all the different hotels. We walked down the strip. Um, there was one night that we just walked down the strip and by the end I checked my phone, we had walked seven miles and we weren't drinking or anything. We were just like stopping places where there was live music or checking out a game going on over here or whatever. And so by the end, we had walked seven miles and we'd only spent like 15 bucks on a couple of burgers and it was a totally fun time. So, uh, yeah, we, we can do Vegas on a budget <laughs> if you're not gambling, I guess, or, you know, living some crazy luxurious lifestyle there. Anyway, it was a totally fun trip. Dan always plans these trips for us and I'm always reluctant to do it because I don't want to leave the kids and, Every time I'm so grateful to him for making that effort and for, you know, putting the money toward something that like that, that I never, I never would choose to. I honestly wouldn't. And it's not that I don't value our relationship. I'm just focused on other things. So I'm so grateful that he kind of balances me in that way. Uh, so having time away with him, just the two of us was really, really a lot of fun and uh, a great time away. One thing, a little success story I want to share with you that I did for the kids uh, before we left was I didn't want them. Um, we had some big kids home and whatever. And I was like, this is going to turn into, they're just going to nonstop be eating like fast food, like everybody, you know, the whole time we're gone. And as convenient as it would be for me to look the other way on that, I just felt yucky about it. Um, so I spent, it really wasn't much time. One evening, really, 
after dinner time. I had gotten the ingredients earlier and I just made casseroles. Like, and I felt so 1950s doing this, like filling my freezer with casseroles. But uh, I just made a bunch of them. And usually I'll double casserole recipes that I make. So I did that, but then I separated it into smaller containers before freezing it so they could heat up just a little bit at a time. Uh, I made, uh, I think, like seven different dishes that I froze. And there was one that was already in there from another time. So they had plenty for the amount of time we were going to be gone and plenty to choose from. And I had them all labeled and, and frozen in, in the freezer. I felt like such a nerd, but I loved it. Like if any of you enjoy freezer cooking, I totally get it because there's like this feeling of preparedness and uh, the, the time and attention you put into it, you know, will pay off later. And anyway, that was a really enjoyable process. And like I said, it really just took me a few hours one evening. I, I picked really simple recipes, stuff I know that the kids like, stuff I knew would freeze well, which meant a lot of pasta, but you know, whatever. Um, and so then I just like told the kids there was, I assigned one kid per day who was in charge of dinner and kitchen cleanup. And that's all that I assigned. Well, they already have their regular chores. Of course, they were going to do that. And we assigned out all the rides, which was, oh, that was another whole evening in itself, creating a Google Doc and printing up a bunch of them and putting them on the, the cabinets in the kitchen. Huge schedule for who's going to drive who where, but it all worked out. Um, but then I just assigned one person each day who was in charge of figuring out what's for dinner, which meant open the freezer and pick one thawing it out in time and heating it up. It was that simple. And um, then kitchen cleanup after that, which could be pretty significant since it probably wasn't going on the rest of the day. And uh, we haven't had a dishwasher in, I don't know, a couple of months now, but we're kind of used to that routine. Um, anyway, it worked out great. I kept checking in while we were gone. Like, how's the whole kitchen duty thing going? I thought it might lead to some fights and some people might be avoiding their duties and other people might be trying to boss them about it. And None of that happened. So it's an amazing success story. I'm definitely going to do the casserole thing again in the future when I need to be away for any length of time because it really helped me while being away, knowing that that food was in the house and that it was it was wholesome and not expensive and they weren't going to be eating so much fast food, which, you know, of course, I think they did one time go to some fast food place, but that was like a treat and it was fun for the kids. So, um, you know, but that just kind of kept it in check rather than this big disgusting, slovenly fast food fest, which I was anticipating going into it. Anyway, success story. If you have the time to invest in that, if you're going to be away for any length of time, I totally recommend it. Um, I used to do things more along those lines and I kind of moved away from it a little bit because I found it so exhausting when I was going to be away to try to completely cover, you know, all the dinners and whatever while I was gone. And a lot of times though, when I'm away, Dan is home and he's able to kind of take charge of, uh, dinner situations and cleanups and that sort of thing. So it's not as necessary, but with both Dan and I being gone, I think, um, this made a lot of sense and I was thrilled with how it worked. And then uh, one more funny story before we get to today's topic, which is talking about healthy communication in marriage, something I think we all need, um, is that when Dan booked this trip, it was kind of last minute and he was being super budget conscious. So we booked on two different airlines. Um, we booked an American going out there and then Spirit coming back. And um, you know what? I, I don't care how cheap it is. I, I, I don't ever want to fly Spirit again. <laughs> 
And I kind of knew this going in. Um, it was just such an unpleasant experience. And then they, they charge you for every little thing along the way. So it totally makes up for the fact that you you bought a cheaper ticket and the seats are so uncomfortable. And oh my gosh, I would never do that again. But one of the unpleasant things about it was um, going out there. We, we knew coming back, you know, Spirit Airlines, if you haven't flown them, they have this policy where you pay for your carry-on. So we knew that and we were like, okay, we could you know, we could bring a carry on for free going out there, but then coming back, we're gonna have to pay for it. So we decided we'll just check one bag for the two of us and we won't have any carry ons. So that was a good plan. Um, but flying American going out, our our weight limit on our checked bag was 50 pounds and we were just under that. So we were all set. But then coming back, the weight limit on the bag for spirit when you're checking your bag is 40 pounds. And if you know anything about when you go on a trip, you get stuff there. And we didn't buy a ton of stuff, but we had stuff. <laughs> so our bag was way overweight. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, so we're going to have to pay an extra $30. Um, so then Dan's like, no, we're not paying an extra $30. We're going to go through this bag and we're going to get rid of stuff. So we start doing that. And, you know, getting rid of like, you know, a mostly empty bottle of hair gel or whatever is no big deal. But when it was coming down to it, it was like getting rid of, you know, clothing items perhaps, or, uh, you know, shoes or whatever. And I was like, Dan, you know, $30, it, you, you pay the extra $30. We're like you know, tempted here to throw away more than $30 worth of stuff. And he was like, it's the principle of it. <laughs> we're not giving Spirit Airlines 30 more dollars. So we're just going through and throwing away whatever made even a little bit of sense to throw away in this bag. And then Dan holds up my curling iron, which, yeah, fine. A curling iron is heavy. But he's like, do you really need this? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I only use it every day. So, uh, yeah, sure. Throw it away. I mean, what? Um, and the curling iron is $30, you know, like, give me a break. This is so ridiculous. Um, and so he could see my hesitation and that I was upset about the idea of throwing away a curling iron. Tell you what, if you want to know if you were attached to any of your possessions, try a situation like this where you're trying to make a bag get under a certain weight and you have to throw away certain items forever that you were traveling with. Um, so that, you know, he's like standing there holding this curling iron. Like he really wants to throw it out because it's heavy. And I'm just like, whatever, this is beyond ridiculous. And in the end, what he opted to do with the curling iron to his credit, my hero, he put it in his pocket. <laughs> so we got our bag underweight with everything that we got rid of. And he just put my curling iron, which is, a you know, it's not like a little tiny mini travel curling iron. It's a full size, you know, heavy duty curling iron and he just stuck it in his pocket and funny it kind of looked like a weapon you know being in his pocket and he just went through security like that and um so funny just watching him just take that out of his pocket and you know put it into the bins and security and my hero he saved my curling iron now i think of it and i smile every single time i use my curling iron which is pretty much every day so funny story. And those are the kind of funny bonding things that happen when you're traveling. It's all fun. And that's part of why I really think couples should get away together and spend time away together because it presents opportunities for moments like that, that you never would choose. I never would have wanted Spirit Airlines bag weight limit to be 10 pounds less than the American one. But 
it was a funny thing. And now it's a happy memory from our trip. So happy times. And I'm so grateful to my husband for making plans for trips like that and for saving my curling iron. Most of all, the most important part, saving my curling iron. Okay. Getting on to this week's topic, I want to talk about getting along, figuring out how to handle disagreements in marriage. Now, this is something that, you know, couples handle disagreements differently. Every couple is different, have different temperaments. I've talked to some couples who have these like fiery marriages where they have these all out fights and then other couples where that never happens and they're both okay. It's okay to have the temperaments you have in your marriage, but let's talk about some ground rules for how to handle disagreements with maturity and with grace in the way that God means for you to inside of your marriage, because you're going to have these conflicts. So this topic, the idea for it came to me from a Voxer that I got this past week from listener Bridget. Hi, Danielle. This is Bridget. I was just calling with a podcast topic idea. I didn't know if you would be interested in talking about how couples could fight in a healthy manner. I know it's a crazy concept, but um, I just didn't know if you had any advice on healthy ways that married couples could go about in a disagreement. Um, My husband and I have um, often have challenges when we fight. It seems that either one or the other of us is either... um, just wants to give the other silent treatment or um, we just don't want to work it out right away. And I seem to always be the one to run and apologize, even though I'm not always the one to instigate it, I guess you could say. So I didn't know if you had uh, ways that you could, you know, just give advice on um, good ways to go about it. I know that couples will always disagree. It's just part of, you know, being in a marriage, but I see so many beautiful marriages where they seem to um, never really get into a full-blown out fight, and I would love to get there at some point with my husband. We both love each other very much. It just seems that our communication isn't always the best. So any advice you may have, that would be great, and um, I really enjoy your podcast. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks so much for sending that Voxer, Bridget. I really appreciate your question. It's one that um, speaks to my heart because this is something I think everybody experiences. And I may be wrong, but I feel like I'm hearing a little bit inside of your question that you're comparing your, your marriage to other people's and feeling like other people have it all together and you guys don't. And that feels terrible. Don't do that. Gosh, you don't know what's going on in other people's marriages. It might look all hearts and roses. And maybe it is. But everybody has their issues. Everybody's got their stuff that they're dealing with. Everybody's got their flaws and everybody's figuring out, you know, how to smooth their own rough edges. And it's always an uncomfortable process. So don't fall prey to that, you know, thinking everybody else is perfect and what's wrong with you guys. But that said, it sounds like maybe you do have some unhealthy communication habits and every couple can fall into that. And it's great that you're noticing that and that you want to address it. And so I think that's great. And so I think that's um, an important topic for us to talk about, one that's relevant to every couple. And it's really part of it is figuring out um, what your temperaments are and how it affects you. And a big part of that is how you were raised. I know I've experienced this with Dan. A lot of times when we're talking about something, I will get worked 
up about it. And I was raised in a family of nine kids, very verbal family. My parents never had like screaming matches in front of us and they weren't the, you know, fiery tempered people at all. But when we disagreed inside of the family, we'd easily raise our voices, not screaming in a mean way, but just getting passionate about what you're talking about, even if it's about like the right way to tie a toddler's sneaker or whatever. And I had to realize early on in my relationship with Dan that he was not raised like that. And when I raised my voice in those situations, he was taking it very personally. Like, what on earth? Why are you so angry right now when I wasn't, you know? And so figuring out the differences between the two of you, I think is so important. And it sounds like you're doing that a little bit. It sounds like you're beginning to kind of examine what's going on inside of your relationship. And that is truly important. And at the outset of this, I do want to say, Bridget, that don't rule out couples therapy. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever done that kind of thing or if you'd be open to it. But sometimes um, when we're in these bad communication habits, when we fall into these kind of cycles of behavior and it happens to all couples, you know, if, if a couple tells you it's not happening to them, never happens to them, they're lying. OK, it's all couples go through these kinds of things in different ways. And it looks different for everybody, but everybody has their issues. So. Um, if you're finding that you're really struggling and you feel like you're you're feeling helpless in trying to get out of a bad cycle of behavior or a bad cycle of communication with your husband, then, you know, maybe think about getting some couples therapy because an outside perspective can be really helpful. You know, just choose carefully what kind of a therapist you go to and, and be open to the fact that, you know, the first one you try might not be the best fit for you guys. Um, but it really truly can be a helpful way to improve your marriage. I know some people stay away from couples therapy because they're like, you know, that that's like admitting there's a major problem, you know, and that's a scary idea, but it doesn't have to be admitting there's a major problem. It has to be admitting. I care a lot about this relationship. We are fully invested in this relationship and making it work in the best and healthiest in the holiest way possible. And admitting I value this relationship enough to get some help for it when I feel like there's something that's not perfect, that's something that's less than ideal going on inside of this relationship. So anyway, that's for everybody. Be open to that idea that couples therapy can be a very helpful tool um, inside of your marriage. But outside of that, talking about observing unhealthy habits, right? And now you mentioned, Bridget, this idea of um, you often feel like you're the one that's running back to your husband and uh, asking for forgiveness, even if you feel like you weren't the one that started the whole thing. I can totally relate to that. I definitely have gone through that in my marriage feeling like, what the heck? Like, you know, kind of tempted to tally up, like who apologizes first and, oh, wow, big surprise. It's always me. But, you know, in talking about this with Dan outside of hostile situations, <laughs> outside of, you know, the moment, the heated moment of conflict, and this is how I recommend you approach it with your husband and think about it yourself outside of the heat of the moment. Um, you know, part of that really is temperamental differences. Part of that really is personality differences. And in in my relationship with Dan, talking about it outside of conflict in a calm moment where, you know, we're happy and we're peaceful and um, things are going well, just saying, hey, um, I noticed this. I, I noticed that um, I'm I'm 
pretty much the the one who runs to you and tries to start us, you know, making up and asking for forgiveness. And I, I feel like I'm the one who always does that. And he readily admitted that that was mostly the case. And he just, you know, he said that it was really just part of him. He always felt like he needed more time. And that turned out to be really true. In moments where we've had conflict, I, and this is true about all parts of my life, I much more quickly regroup, get over it, ready to move on. But not everybody's like that. Sometimes people need time to process what has happened and to um, kind of make make amends and begin that process of, of making up with somebody that they've had uh, a hurtful agree- disagreement with. And that's it's okay for people to need more time for that. In fact, I noticed when I talked with Dan about this that he was right, like, a lot of times it would lead to more conflict because I was I was like, oh, I'm I'm being the good person here. I am ready to apologize and move on. And I was kind of like bullying him, you know, when he needed a little time and space. And that doesn't mean like weeks or days of not talking to the other person. But it, it means, you know, a reasonable expectation that they have a little time and space to kind of process what's going on, what happened, how they want to handle that in the future, how they want to communicate about that with you. And so in talking about that, we we both kind of recognized that um, both of us were contributing to that. Like I was rushing Dan and he was maybe resisting for too long in a way that was hurtful. And so between the two of us, we kind of recognized that and we both agreed we were going to work on that. So now I really do. And he really does. And it's really been helpful that I I make a conscious effort to give him more time and space. I used to interpret that as like holding a grudge or something. And sometimes for sure it, it can be that, but I, this is a different thing where um, you've, you've had a disagreement and there are, there are bad feelings and he just needs time and space to kind of get over it and to feel better about it and to be ready to um, connect again. And I, I work on doing that. And it's so hard sometimes because I can't stand the conflict and I can't stand the disconnect. Um, but I work on being more patient with Dan in that process. And he, in turn, has been working on being more open and, and you know, kind of speeding up that process a little bit, kind of recognizing the bigger picture, like, this isn't such a big deal. We know we love each other. And, you know, it's really important that we reconnect and, and recognizing that more rather than focusing on his negative feelings. So, it's been that's been super helpful. And it sounds like I'm hearing a little bit of that in what you're describing, Bridget. And so that might be helpful for you and your husband to have a similar conversation outside of your moments of conflict about how you handle after the fact about how you feel about it, what your approach is, what you need in, in order to feel better about your relationship. But anyway, all of that's separate from the different points that I want to make here. I've got some ideas that I want to share for some just some basic ground rules. There are some things for sure that should be off limits inside of disagreements in marriage, the stuff that really hurts, the stuff that really destroys trust and respect and um, really can hurt your relationship that you really, truly want to avoid. For sure, there are different temperaments. Like I said, you might be the types of couples that have these fiery arguments. You might not be. You might be the types that have these passive aggressive arguments, also unhealthy, you know. So um, let's talk about some ground rules for when you are in a, in a moment of disagreement, what kinds of basic rules should you have? And this, these are for sure ones that I've had inside of my marriage with Dan. Some of them have were just kind of no-brainers, like, we don't do that, you know. Um, but then others have kind of grown out of bad, bad experiences and um, 
bad times where we've really struggled. So, um, you know, coming away from that after the fact, I, I think you can learn a lot about your relationship by kind of doing a, a check after the fact in, in more moments of calm, like, you know, what, what was really damaging that, that happened inside of that, that particular communication. Okay. So the first one is one that really should be a no brainer, but it's not for, for some couples. And this is something that maybe you need to check in yourself is no name calling truly. I mean, I'll fall into this. I will occasionally call Dan a jerk, but that's as bad as it gets. And I know I'm being a jerk when I do it. Like, don't do that. And it's so tempting to do when you're angry. And, um, you know, this is something that can really be damaging and it really does shut down any form of healthy communication. If someone is calling you names, like this is nothing fruitful is going to come from this conversation, right? You, you need to step away. So, you know, have that. And, and, you know, talk about these rules with your husband, uh, you know, in quiet moments in happy moments in the peaceful moments of your marriage, talk about what these ground rules should be and talk about, we're not going to call each other names. We're just, we're not going to do that, you know? And, um, we're, we're going to be, we're going to be respectful of each other, even when we're very upset, even when we have very bad feelings toward each other, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to fall prey to that level of disrespect where we're calling each other names. So I think that really should be a basic, um, you know, and, and then it's different for every couple, but, uh, I really recommend not just no name calling, but no cursing, no swearing. There's just a real level of disrespect there, um, and, you know, people are different with regard to how they handle language. And I, I you know, uh, something I have always really appreciated and been grateful for about Dan is that he never swears. He doesn't. I mean, maybe I, I don't know when he's with the guys, whatever, when he's around me, around the kids, um, anywhere like he does not use curse words. And I, I really do respect that about him. And so that adds a level of respect, even inside of angry moments, even inside of heated moments in your conflict, like it just, it, let's avoid that bad language because there's an intensity and a disrespect there that really, really is, is contrary to what you want for your relationship. So see if you can agree about that, like no name calling, no, no curse words. Okay. Number two is a positive one. Check in about what they're saying. When your spouse has just said something to you that makes you want to scream, that makes you insane. Like, you know, we all have these moments where we're like, how can he have possibly said that? Check in about what they're saying. When you are tempted to fly off the handle about something your spouse has said to you, say, are you saying this? Like, or, or say, and not in an angry way. That almost sounds threatening, right? Um, say, like, here's what I'm hearing you saying, and it, this is hard for me to hear. So I just want to be sure about what you're saying, you know, and, and check in with them. Because so many times I know in my marriage, I will freak out about something he has said, but that isn't what he meant, you know, and sometimes we're sloppy with our language and giving the, giving each other the opportunity to clarify what we actually mean before freaking out about it is a gift, a gift that you want to give to your relationship. So check in with them, especially if you're feeling like they are saying something insane, because maybe they're not saying something insane. So you don't need to freak out about it. Maybe just checking in with them will give them a moment to kind of reassess like, oh, do I, do I really mean that? Do I really want to say that? Or make them realize, oh, that's actually a really hurtful and maybe not accurate thing to say. So I don't want to say that. So, you know, try to train yourself. And I know it's hard. 
when you're, you're feeling, you know, angry or if you're feeling frustrated, um, even if you're feeling like the other person's not being fair to you to have this motivation to be fair to them and check in with them about what they are actually saying before you freak out about it. So just make a habit of pausing before, you know, really reacting inside of these moments. And, and these are things like you get better at it by practicing it. Unfortunately, you got to mess it up a bunch of times before, you know, you get any better at it. But just having these principles in mind, I think is really helpful in those moments. Okay. Uh, the third rule I, I want to mention is just don't use the D word. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. Don't use the word divorce. Don't don't talk about divorce like it's even a possibility because then it becomes one. And not only that, like you're putting in the idea in your head, in your spouse's head, if children are listening, even more damaging, you might be so angry. You want to threaten something huge like that. You might even be feeling so frustrated that that feels like a good idea. Don't let yourself use that language. You know, our culture allows us to think and act in that way enough to treat marriage as non-permanent enough that we don't need to be doing that. Our marriages need to be different. Our marriages need to be places where that's off the table. And and I'm not saying good Catholics never get divorced, okay? <laughs> Recognize that. I know many people through terrible circumstances, through no fault of their own, you know, through all kinds of other people's weaknesses and even their own past mistakes end up being divorced. But I'm saying in a healthy marriage relationship, take that off the table. Don't be using that word. Don't be threatening it. Don't be talking about it like it's even a possibility. Even if it's not, like you might be thinking, I would never do this. I'm just saying this because I'm mad right now. I'm just saying this because I want to get a reaction out of him or her. Well, that's not okay. You know, don't use that word. And, you know, don't accustom yourself to the fact that it's it's an option or it's normal. You know, it's not. So your marriage needs to be different from that. So I think that that's an important ground rule to have. Related to that, no threats, physical or otherwise, right? I mean, sometimes it's tempting because you're so angry, you're so frustrated, you're feeling fed up with whatever it is. They just said something that's so unfair that you really want to say something that's going to get a reaction out of them. You really want to say something that's going to hurt them or scare them or shake them up in some way. Make sure that you're not threatening, like verbally threatening each other. And I'm not just talking about physically, for sure, physically, there should be no verbal or, or physical threats. You know, that's absolutely off the table. But I mean, even things like um, just just walking away or, or leaving, you know, making someone feel like you're going to do something crazy or, um, you know, none of that. And along the lines of physical threats, I, I know I talked to a woman recently who was saying like in some of their more challenging moments as a couple that they end up doing things like throwing things and breaking things. And um, it's easy to see that that is not mature, grace-filled behavior, right? I mean, we see that when our three-year-old does it. Um, so yeah, for sure, you can recognize that in yourself and you know, recognize that it's not ideal. But even that physically breaking of things can be a, a physical threat. 
like inside of a relationship, you know, especially, you know, if you're, you're doing things that are, are, you know, scary to a person or you're, you're acting like you're out of control, those things can be threatening and you do not, that does not belong inside of your marriage. Okay. So that doesn't apply to everybody, but for sure, if that's something that's going on inside of your, your disagreements in your marriage, you need to address it. You need to talk about it. No, no, no threats, physical or otherwise. All right. Also, here's another one. No bringing up past stuff. This is tempting, right? Because we're all keeping those tallies in our head. Like, oh my gosh, he was wrong that last time. And then he said that thing last month. And then there's that ongoing thing with his family and stick to the topic. If you are disagreeing about something, only disagree about that one thing. Only talk about that one thing. You can talk about it in, in greater terms if you think it's an ongoing thing or a pattern or whatever. Um, but really, honestly, often it's just about one, one issue and we turn it into all these other things and we bring up all these negative feelings that don't even belong there when we start throwing in the past stuff and I get the temptation to do it. Right. But you know, in, in your better moments, pray for the grace to let go of those things, the stuff that you've already fought about and the stuff you've already technically resolved not fair to bring it up and throw it in their face in the middle of a heated moment. So stick to what you're actually disagreeing about. I think that's really important and it conveys a level of respect. And if your spouse is going off the topic, then you can gently pull them back and say, you know, if if that's truly an issue or an ongoing issue, I'll be happy to talk about it a separate time but right now this is this is the disagreement we're we're trying to resolve this is the conflict that we have right now let's let's focus on this so you can kind of rein them back in in that way so don't bring up the past stuff especially and, and this happens i know if you're feeling kind of um you know if you're feeling sidelined in your relationship if you're feeling like you're you're always losing kind of thing in your relationship it's tempting to kind of keep score in that way and um, bring up those past things because you're, you're harboring this resentment. If you are harboring resentment about past issues and past problems, then those things do need to be talked about. Um, it may or may not be fair that you're harboring that resentment, but figure that out, figure that out separately from the conversation you're having right now about, you know, this one specific issue. Okay. Okay. One more rule. A lot of these are like, no, don't do this. Don't do that. Like, <laughs> I think it, maybe I'll do a separate podcast that's like, do, do this. Um, anyway, this one is no absolutes. Talk about this because this is tempting to do. And this is something I realized I was doing in my communications with Dan that always, always went badly. Um, don't say like always and never. It's, it's pretty much not true. And um, it's, it's not, it's not uh, conducive to good communication between the two of you. If you're, you're, you know, kind of making these generalizations about someone else's behavior or your own behavior in ways that feel inadequate, inaccurate to the person that you're talking to. So don't do these absolutes. I know I'm, I've been tempted to do it with Dan and I for sure used to do it a lot in our early marriage, but I realized this is not helpful. If I'm like, you never do this. Right. And then all of a sudden he's, just a hundred percent focused on that one time he did do that and I didn't even recognize it. And now he's just arguing with me. You, you said something that's false. Like you said, I never do this. And I did do that, you know, and really like, is this what you want to be focused on? Like these, these little like word problems? Um, no. So I learned don't say the never and always because it's usually not accurate. And I tend to do it because if I'm upset, 
I will exaggerate things. And and I think he should know. I don't mean always. I don't mean never. And maybe he should know because he knows me by now um, that I don't technically mean that that always happens. But it's feeling like that. And I'm frustrated in the moment. And so that's how I want to express it. But I have learned that that's not fruitful. It's not helpful for me to talk like that, even if it feels good kind of venting in the moment. Um, because it's it's largely not true and the, it kind of derails the conversation and the other person doesn't even want to hear what you have to say if they feel like you're misrepresenting. So I, I learned to avoid those. I'm not perfect about it. I still will slip up sometimes and catch myself saying those words. It's tempting. Um, but, you know, recognize that they're not helpful. They're not. If you say that what you want is healthy communication, recognize that words like that are not part of healthy communication. And, you know, it's kind of a cliche talking about like making I feel statements. Right. And you don't have to be all all like that about it. But, you know, watch the ways in which you are speaking and the ways in which it can come across as accusing to your spouse where, you're, if you're always saying you do this and you do that and you don't do this and you don't do that, talk instead about, you know, the things you can control and that, you know, like when when that happened last week and, and I will do this, I will consciously make an effort to because I, I know how it feels to be kind of feeling like you're put in a defensive position and that you're someone is accusing you of something. So rather than saying like when you did that, I felt this way, I'll be like when that happened last week or whatever, I, I, I felt like this about it. And um, that was that wasn't good. And I, I feel bad about it. And I, I want to talk to you about that. And. Um, so kind of just defusing what you're saying, you can still say the same things and be careful that you're being accurate about it, but just kind of watch the way in which you might be adding fuel to the fire by using absolutes or using accusatory statements. Um, it's, it's really, these are the little things. These are the little things that derail us. These are the little things that become the bad communication, right? And um, we don't want to be in those habits. We don't want to be in those cycles. And we don't want to be falling prey to that temptation to just always go into fight mode with our spouse, right? Ideally, you should be feeling like you are on the same team. And um, side note, talking about being on the same team, this is something that I for sure have worked on in my marriage because I definitely have gone through phases in my marriage where I feel like it's me versus him. Whatever the issue is about, you know, um, it, it might be a, a big thing that we need to resolve or it might be just a bunch of little things where I just feel like I get into this mode and you know who it is. That doesn't come from a place of light. That comes from the darkness. That is the darkness speaking that tells you your spouse is your opponent. Right. The last thing he wants is for the two of you to be unified. So recognize that. Recognize that in those moments where you are tempted to think of your husband or your wife as your sparring partner. Um, so I, you know, it's been helpful to me over the years to kind of recognize my own thinking, my own patterns of thinking and behavior, because those translate into what you say and what you do. And, um, those can become patterns in your relationship. But when you fall into that habit of thinking of your spouse as somebody you're, who's your opponent rather than your partner, rather than your teammate, that needs to be addressed. That needs to be talked about. And um, I found it really helpful to just talk to Dan, even inside of those moments, like, I, I want us to be on the same team. I, we, let's talk about, you know, the goals that we have in common and, and, and how, 
how we can reach those. And you might have to start with some really general goals and kind of work your way down to those nitty gritty details that you're disagreeing about. Um, but really important to do. Okay, the last little tip I want to I want to give you about fighting fair inside of your marriage is take a break if you need to. So many times, you know, I, I take issue with that. And I know it's in scripture. Um, like never, never let the sun set on your anger. Like don't go to bed angry, right? That kind of cliche. Well, sometimes you need time away to, to kind of, you know, regroup, get less angry, let the emotions and the negativity kind of work itself out a little bit. Um, it, you need that space sometimes. And it's not helpful to stay up till like three o'clock in the morning, arguing over that one thing or whatever it is. The most healthy thing you can do is take a break. And like I said, not in a threatening way. You don't, uh, you know, I think it's important to talk about this outside of conflict and say, when things are getting angry, when things are kind of going negatively and I feel like they're spiraling downward, I think it's important for us to take a break. And so sometimes I'm going to do that. And this could be you or it might be, you know, your husband who's who's going to be kind of leaving or just taking space. It might just be going to another room. But you don't want this to be done in a threatening way. Like you get in the car and you drive away and the person's left wondering if you're coming back kind of thing, you know. Uh, so be careful. It's not done in that way. That's not healthy. But it is healthy to recognize this is not going well right now. And um, I am going to talk with you more about it. But after we've both taken a little time and cooled off. And there have been times where Dan has had the um, the wisdom to say that, and I don't want to because I am angry or I am frustrated or I don't feel like I've said everything I need to say yet. But honestly, if I'm being honest, anytime he's ever said that, we totally needed to just have a little time apart before we continued talking about something. And it, honestly, it doesn't even have to be a ton of time. I'm not talking about like it has to be days or whatever. It might just be getting a good night's sleep. I find if Dan and I have disagreements at night, it is helpful if we both just say, you know what, uh, we're really tired. Let's talk about this tomorrow, you know, and and all in the context of I love you and I value our relationship and I want what's good for us. Like those should be the basic understood things in those moments where you're deciding to take a break. All of that other negativity can be right there, can be a part of it, and you can still be very angry and frustrated about something that's going on right then. Um, but Recognize the importance of kind of taking that break, that kind of taking a breather, regrouping, calming down, you know, uh, there's, it's just so valuable sometimes and, and kind of thinking through like, um, and this is what, what I will do inside of those moments where we're like, okay, this isn't fruitful. We'll talk about this later. Um, make sure you do talk about it later. Don't just sweep it under the rug because then things kind of pile up and build up. And um, that's a very unhealthy way to kind of have a snowball of resentment building in, in your marriage. Um, but once you do, like when you have that time away, you know, allow yourself to calm down, allow yourself to think about other things for a little bit. And then when you do go back to it and think it through, think, what is, you know, try to get it down to like what the, what the conflict actually is. What, what exactly are you disagreeing about? What is important to you to convey to your spouse about this particular topic? What, what is, you know, what, what has been hurtful to you? What is hurtful to you? What are you afraid of? Boil it down to kind of that nitty gritty so that when you come back together, you can focus on what your area of conflict is outside of all that, the negative emotion that kind of got stirred up earlier. So take that break if you need to, but talk about taking a break outside of your fighting moments, because having that plan in place and agreeing, sometimes we do need to take a break. 
will make it much less scary, threatening, frustrating, whatever in the moment. You'll be like, oh, yeah, we talked about this. This is going to happen sometimes. It's in the context of we love each other and we want to do what's good for us. And we're going to take this break. But it's not like, you know, it's not like you're 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 giving up on your marriage because you're giving up on talking about this particular thing in this particular moment. Okay, so those are my tips for fighting fair, mostly <laughs> that I've learned the hard way through doing the bad things, especially early in our marriage. Um, you know, so I would love to know what your tips are. So to just review, mine are no name calling or curse words, pause and check in about what they're saying, no talking about divorce, no threats, physical or otherwise, don't bring up past stuff, don't use absolutes, and then finally take a break if that's what you need to do. I'm sure you have advice to share and maybe something in what uh, Bridget shared resonated with you or you recognized about your own marriage or you have some words of advice to share with Bridget who's struggling with cycles of behavior inside of her conflicts with her husband and her marriage. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, Danielle at DanielleBean.com. Connect with me on Voxer, just like Bridget did in the show notes of every episode of Girlfriends. There's a link to connect with me on Voxer, which is a fun, free app where you can just end up using your phone like a walkie-talkie and send me a voicemail. That way I can add your voice to a future episode of Girlfriends. You know I'd love to hear from you. I just want to take a moment to thank Ascension for partnering with me to bring you the Girlfriends podcast each week. Ascension has a new podcast that you're going to want to check out at ascensionpress.com. Their newest podcast hosted by Colin McIver is called The Tightrope. Here's their little description of it. It says, in the balancing act of it all, sometimes our faith feels like just another piece of our lives that we have to juggle. But what if there's a different way we could look at it? What if our faith is the path we walk as we balance the things in our lives? What if the things we're balancing actually help move us toward heaven? In each short episode of The Tightrope, listeners discover ways that busy life doesn't have to be a distraction from God. It's our opportunity to encounter Him. You're going to want to check out The Tightrope, but also many other free and beautiful resources, inspiring resources from people that you know and love like Father Mike Schmitz and Jeff Cavins and others, video content, podcast content, plus parish studies and stuff to help you grow in your faith as an individual, as a couple, as a family, as a church community. Check it all out at ascensionpress.com. And now to share just a little bit of feedback from previous episodes of Girlfriends. Wow, ladies, you have a lot to share about female friendship. This is a topic that people care about, that people have lots of different experiences with, that people really struggle with. If you are struggling with friendships in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, no, you are not alone. I heard from a ton of you. I can't possibly share all that I heard from people. And some of it people asked for me to kind of keep private for them. But wow, um, we have a lot to say and we have a lot of feelings and thoughts and struggles and frustrations in fostering friendships in our lives. I heard from so many people that struggle with it in ways like I don't think this should be a struggle anymore. Like I did this in high school and I feel like it's still going on. Well, welcome to life. <laughs> <laughs> These ideas of um, the, the hurt feelings that you sometimes have, the feeling of not fitting in, not belonging, 
a lot of us, you know, we didn't leave that behind when we left junior high. It's still going on. We still struggle with that. So many women are struggling with that. So know you're not alone if you're struggling with that. And I just want to encourage everybody who's struggling with any kind of friendship issues, lack of friends, or feeling like they're they're outgrowing their friends in some way, or hurt feelings inside of friendships, or feeling rejected, to know, first of all, that you're not alone. You're not the only person struggling with this. I heard from tons of women who have very similar struggles, but then bring it to prayer. God cares deeply about these things. You know, it might feel like it's frivolous, like, you know, it's high school lunchroom politics or something, but no, they, these things hurt us. These things wound us. These things are distractions from where we should be discerning our self-worth sometimes. So bring it to God in prayer. Bring it to Jesus and ask him to heal that area of your life. Ask him to help you see the places in your life where you could be fostering healthy and fruitful relationships with other women, where you could be mutually encouraging and affirming of other women in your life. There are opportunities for that. And sometimes we don't see them and we can get frustrated. I've heard from some of you who are tempted to just forget it. Like, I'm just going to focus on my husband and kids right now because I just do not have time for this. And yeah. We do have moments in our lives where it's like, I don't need all this girlfriend drama. <laughs> I, I, and yeah, it's healthy to remove yourself from that. But don't stay there. Don't don't rule out the, the very real gift and the very real value that relationships with other women can bring to your life and the support that it can be for you inside of your vocation to marriage and motherhood. So don't forget that and, and bring it to prayer and ask God for his guidance in that. Sometimes we don't bring these things to prayer because we think they're frivolous, but they're not. He cares deeply about these things that affect you in this way. And I just wanted to share part of one email that I received because it's a helpful perspective for anybody who's feeling like they're reaching out to another woman in friendship and they're they're not they're, it's not getting the response that they want that they're feeling rejected inside of that and I heard from a lot of people feeling that way um I heard from Becky who kind of shares from the other person's perspective a little bit Becky is an older mom uh, sorry, Becky, you're not old. Okay. You're just, you're a seasoned mom. There we go. And, um, you know, in a different place in her life. And she has these younger moms that are reaching out to her, hoping for her mentorship. And she wrote in because I shared that little story from me years ago where I had this, this more experienced mom in my life. And I really wanted to have a friendship with her. I really valued her mentorship, but she didn't have the time for it. And, and Becky finds herself in a, a similar situation, um, but she's doing what she can, even though life is very busy. Um, she's saying she does certain things like organizing field trips and help out in a homeschool group to help younger moms who kind of need her support. And she says, while it saddens me that I can't help each one individually by being their personal friend, the Holy Spirit still shows me how I can do something. And she says, sometimes the old saying, it's not you, it's me, really applies. I love these young moms and I want to do what I can to help them on their journeys. But at this season in my life, I need to focus on my domestic church, as they say, and hopefully I can lead by example, even if I can't welcome them into my inner circle. Thank you for your ministry and especially for your podcast. Thank you, Becky. I appreciated your perspective, Becky, because it is true that a lot of times our hurt feelings inside of these friendship situations, like I wanted to be her friend. She didn't want to be my friend. And 
you know, she has all these friends, so she doesn't need me kind of thing. Um, it becomes very self-focused and like, what's wrong with me? And we have these feelings of, you know, rejection that result from it. And it, you're so right that it's important to recognize, as I eventually did with that person in my life years ago, that it's not a personal rejection of you. They're just, they have their own their own focus and their their own work that they're doing and their own vocation that they, they need to prioritize. And um, helping out younger moms can very much be a full-time ministry. So um, recognize that if you are feeling rejected in a friendship in any way, whether it's from an older mom or not, that it's not you, it's me. You're so right, Becky. It really does apply sometimes that recognize that maybe it isn't you and you don't have to take it personally in that way. And just, you know, pray to be open to other opportunities for the people that God wants you to connect with. Anyway, thank you, Becky, for that. And thank you, everybody who wrote into me to share with me your personal experiences and struggles and frustrations and triumphs and trials inside of your relationships with other women in your life. This is obviously a topic that's near to many of our hearts. And um, I think it really speaks to the fact that a lot of us are hungry and longing for community. And that's such a difficult thing to find and to foster inside of our lives. I experience it every time I do the You're Worth It retreat um, for groups of women all over the country in different areas of the world in different parts of the United States where I go all these different parishes and see these different women's group, each of which has a different vibe, has a different charism, has a different feel. Every community is different, right? But then we have these same things in common. That women are hungry for opportunities to get together with one another. They're hungry for encouragement and affirmation of the kind that we can only get from each other. That very valuable sisterhood. Many of us are hungry for that. We're longing for that. We're lacking that in our lives. So mentioning the You're Worth It retreat, I am going to be giving the You're Worth It retreat June 23rd here in New Hampshire, in Concord, New Hampshire at Christ the King Parish. I will have links in the show notes for more information about that. Um, and, but prior to that, if you're in the New England area, please come out to the Father Patrick Payton Center in Easton, Massachusetts on June 10th. We're going to have a beautiful family day of prayer and the venerable mass for the newly venerable Father Patrick Payton. I'll be there with my family. It's an event that's open to the public. What a great opportunity to participate in a unique experience in the venerable mass for Father Patrick Payton, a great, great man of God that we're going to be celebrating that day and celebrating all the work that Holy Cross Family Ministries does for Catholic families. Lots of free resources that day, opportunities to meet with other families and connect with other people in the area. So if you're in New England, it's worth the trip. I will also put a link in the show notes to that event and the details of that event um, in this episode of Girlfriends. And while we're on the topic of events, if you are interested in having me come speak to your parish, your group, your community, I am booking events right now. Um, I even just booked one for next February. So um, as far out as that, if you're planning ahead, but also booking some dates for the fall and the start of the winter, if you're interested in having me come speak at your conference or at your church or to your women's group, you can get more information about that at daniellebean.com forward slash speaking. Um, but if you're interested in the You're Worth It retreat in particular, which is a half day retreat focused just on women of your community, serving their needs, talking to them about 
God's unique love for women, what we can learn about God's unique love for women from the stories of the women in the Gospels who interacted with Jesus. It's a beautiful day of prayer, of sisterhood, of connection, all those things that we're all longing for. You can find out more about bringing the You're Worth It retreat to your community at daniellebean.com forward slash retreat. But in the meantime, thank you for just being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the Girlfriends community. I love that you're listening. I love that we have the opportunity to connect in this way every week. I truly appreciate your presence here and your being a part of our Girlfriends community. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.